take up our Bibles at this time and turn again to the book of Matthew this morning to Matthew chapter 9. So we continue our way through this book, turning today to verses 27 through 34. And so in this line, in this section of the book of Matthew, of a number of different healings, of those that he continues to work in and through, we are brought again to the wonder not just of those miracles. And so please let us not open our eyes and hearts just to that. Certainly it is that, but it is more than that. Because what Matthew is efforting to do, even throughout the gospel, is to say, here is this Christ the one that he has already introduced to us back in Matthew chapter 1, who is driving us then throughout this book again to that understanding of what we're called to, to go and make disciples. And so we are to then be followers of Christ. And so continuing already to pray right now, Father, how will you speak by way of your word that I might be a nearer and dear follower of Christ? So let's hear these words in that understanding, paying special attention to the reading of God's word because it is that, the inspired and fallible word of Almighty God. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. As they were going away, behold, the demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. Thus far, the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Our Father and our God, as we humble ourselves before your word, Father, to whom else can we go for words of life, for our hearts to be open, for our lives to be changed? And Father, you have called me as a man set apart by way of ordination to speak a word to your people. And Father, I'm a broken man. I'm a sinful man like anyone else here, called to something, Father, so beyond myself, and yet one, one that you have given your word and your spirit to that task. Father, I am not able to change any of the hearts in this room. I am not able to move them to you. Only you are able to do that. And so, Father, use the words of my mouth. Use the meditations of our spirit. Make them pleasing to you. For, Father, we humble ourselves before you in our need. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, congregation beloved of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are brought before a great number, a tremendous number of the miracles and the wonders of God as we consider Jesus' many healings. That even with your Bibles open, I certainly encourage you to keep them open as you even just flip back a couple of pages, you, you begin to see the, the sheer numbers of them. Lepers are healed, demons are cast out, suffering is removed, even the dead are raised. It speaks of the wonder of who Jesus is and why he's come. Because physical suffering certainly are taken away, but, but it's always more than that. 
that here the broken are restored. Here are those who have been separated from the communities that they are part of because of uncleanness, taken away of their families because of their struggles, now reunited with the community. But it's still more than that even. Because by grace alone, now these are brought near to Jesus and sent out, sent forth to proclaim the goodness of Almighty God. It's a wonder then that faith opens that way. And so as we consider even that phrase this morning by way of the title of our sermon, Faith Opens, we think of our own lives and just how much we have been opened and and we've seen others opened in the work of God working in and through faith. Faith opens the way to truly love God, to truly love neighbor. Faith opens the way of grace-filled salvation. Faith opens the way of gratitude-filled obedience. And so in these two accounts that are very short in and of their own that we might look at and say, well, how does this advance that? How do we come to understand more of who our God is in it? We want to see this this morning, that faith operates to bring people to Jesus in recognizing who he is and giving testimony of what he's done. That's the main point this morning. Faith operates, and so we're thankful for that. But we have to talk about what that is and what's given to bring people to Jesus. That's the point. That's why we're here. That's why we go out. That's why we're great commissioned people. In recognizing who he is, that they would see Jesus and know him and give testimony to what he's done. That we would know what he's done and that our hearts would be changed in that way. And so we see it now by way of that faith operating to open three things in our text. And the first of those things is in verse 27 through 31, which is faith to open eyes. Look again at the verse. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. It speaks to us of the intention of faith. That any time he grants to us faith, there has to be a direction to it. And the intention of that faith is, I need to come to Jesus and be changed. There's something in me and in my life that has to be radically transformed by this one that I call out to. And so they follow him. But yet, does it matter who they follow? It always matters who we follow. It always matters who we place our faith in. And so not only does that faith have to have an intention, a direction as it were, but it also has to keep itself or find itself in the right person, in faith's identity. And that always has to be Jesus. Because people can put their faith in all kinds of things. If you talk to them, they'll let you know. Very quickly in conversation, they'll let you know what their faith is in. But here, these two men are crying out to Jesus. They call out to the one who saves his people from their sins. They're calling out to this one that they've been made to recognize. And they say what? Have mercy on us, hear it, son of David. Here, Matthew is linking back to Matthew 1 where he says, Jesus is the son of Abraham and the son of David. But to the Jews, that spoken language sets fire. You've just called him the Messiah. 
You've just called him the one promised in the book of Daniel. You've called him one who will make all things new. Now, do they truly understand all of what that means? Kind of like a married couple who says, I do, and says, I promise to love you in good times and in bad, and has no idea at a young age what that really means. Here are these two men saying, have mercy on a son of David. Do they really know in fullness the one that they are talking to, the one they need? Which from Jesus then in understanding what faith is to be, not just a a spoken thing, not just saying the name of Jesus, but actually believing in him, brings the narrative in very short order to a super intense moment. And I don't know if we always pick up on that when we're reading the scriptures that way. But listen to that next question. Because he enters the house and the blind men come to him. So Jesus has removed himself from public eye. He's come into the house, presumably their house. They follow him in. But now do they have the first word? No, Jesus does. Jesus meets them in that moment with the question of the text. With the question of faith that we have to give our hearts to this morning. This is not just a question for unbelievers. These men have already said, we believe you, Jesus. We believe that you are son of David. We are saying this, even if we don't know what that means in fullness, we're proclaiming it. And Jesus turns on it very quickly and says what? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Take off the back end of the sentence and what we have to deal with comes first. Do you believe? Not do you assent, not do you have knowledge, not where have you picked this up, not what do you want. Which is how we so often come to him. Do you believe? Do you truly believe? a simple question, but it's an intense one that we have to deal with. Not did you show up every Sunday, not did you have answers in Sunday school and catechism, not are you able to talk the jargon of all the people that you go to church with. Do you believe? Do you believe that I'm able? able to work restoration, able to restore sight, because that ramps up their request. Because Jesus in his ministry gives himself the most miracles are miracles of sight. That's the category. You have no healing of sight in the Old Testament. You will not see in the New Testament another healing past the Gospels. This is divine. Here is Son of God stuff. Do you believe? And the response then is beautiful, but it's also one we have to think about. Yes, affirmative, Lord. Yes, we believe that you are the one who can save and deliver. Lord, 
the one that we pledge allegiance to. And you must not have one without the other. Kids, there are some of those things that we talk about at times where we say, well, we might like one instead of the other. Like, if I'm going to have a bowl of ice cream, not right now, but if I was going to do that, well, then it should have some chocolate. If I'm going to have some cookies, then I should have a glass of milk. Some of you don't like peanut butter, and you're weird, but peanut butter goes with jelly. You can't have one without the other. But for too many people, when they come to this question of faith, that intense question, do you believe? They say yes. I want Jesus to be my savior. I want you to fix my life. I want you to provide for me. I want you to care for me. I want you to remove all the gross out of it. Yes. But I don't want to submit to you. And I don't want to give my life to you. And I want to live the same way that I've always lived. Yes, Lord. That's the answer. That I will have you both as Savior and as Lord. That's the confession. Is it yours? You can't have one without the other. And the beauty even in that is the fact they are, that they are not given what they've asked for, faith's reward in this text, because of what they've confessed, but out of the goodness and grace and working of Jesus. For then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. Or you could translate it this way, as you have believed so let it be. Here's the request that you've made, let it be to you. Here's the confession that you've made, let it be to you. It's beautiful, it's fulsome, it's simple, it's profound, and they have it. And here comes then in the book of Matthew, this tempo, of the wonder of what Jesus is saying is about faith. Bible's open, Matthew 8, 13, and the centurion, to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. A few pages up, Matthew 9, verse 2, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9:22 Jesus turned and seeing her he said take heart daughter your faith has made you well It's about faith And so yes they have the reward their eyes are opened that's the wonder and we're like we stop there and that's it really I got what I want from the Lord it's good No, the miracle is about more because the reward is not that sight. The reward is coming to know who Jesus is and what he's done. And so it's awesome to have eyes to see, but they were already making a confession before their physical eyes were open. But now they get to behold him. Now they get to rejoice in him. 
And what they see and what is made plain is that he is the divine Son of God. How? Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall walk and leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. You've met the Messiah. I mean, that's even the struggle of John the Baptist's followers, right? Luke 7, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look? Shall we see another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight, and he answered them, go and tell John, hear it, what you have seen. You've been made able to see something and hear something. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. They have that reward, which is more than seeing. They are brought into relationship with Jesus. Their yes is answered. But the struggle in our text is what? It's the next interaction. That as much as we see and we have this faith, and this faith is given and he works it and he's strengthening it, we are so weak. Our confession at times, so weak. Because look what happens. Look what comes next. He touched their eyes, according to your faith be done to you. Their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warns them, see that no one knows about it. To those who have been given faith's reward comes now faith's requirement. The requirement doesn't come first. Here's what Jesus has done. It is the great indicative I touch your eyes, I give you sight, I work faith. There it is. See that no one knows about it. Faith's requirement is obedience. Faith requires obedience of you. In being gifted that great reward, he calls you in gratitude. To obedience. And you're like, but pastor, that request is messed up. That's what we look at when we read this. Why would he do that? Why would he say that? Because you said, Lord. Yes, Lord. We believe that you are able to do this. Yes, Lord. You've embraced me and praised me about the yes. Will you do the same with Lord? The men show faith, but they don't show obedience. The report of this went throughout all that district. And we want to, in our own hearts, we want to give them a pass, don't we? This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to these guys. How can you tell them to keep a lid on it? Because he's Lord. Yeah, but we're so happy, we want to tell. He's Lord. Yeah, but our emotions. 
He's Lord. Yeah, but this feels... He's Lord. It speaks of the wonder of the gift. But yet one, that in making that initial thing, it's kind of like when people say, well, I believe in Jesus, but yet their life doesn't show it and there's no growth in it and there's no movement and there's certainly no obedience in it. And you're like, is that thing really there? Consider your own heart. Because if you're acting out of an understanding of faith, but dismissing that word because of how it feels, or your emotion, or what you think is right, or, or what's good according to worldly wisdom, he's Lord. So I ask you, does the gift of faith you've been given operate in thanks and obedience? So I rejoice with you if you have claimed Jesus as Savior. But is he your Lord? Are you heeding his word in thanks? In recognition of what he's done? Because you want to follow him. Because you love him. And so the wonder of what he is able to do isn't just caught up in how he works in these two men. But also in the faith to open mouths. And that's the next point in verses 32 and 33. Because now the narrative shifts. And we think, well, how are the two connected? And yet, here are those who are able to give a testimony of that, yes, Lord. But now we come to someone who isn't. Look again at the text. As they were going away, behold, a demon oppressed, a demon possessed man who was mute was brought to him. Notice how the man comes. He doesn't come by himself. He's not able to bring himself to Jesus. He's not able to speak of his need. He's not able to ask for help. He's been cut off from the community. He can't make that need known. And yet there are those who love him enough to bring him. Who bring him to Jesus. What a picture for us. That there are many in this world who will not speak of that need but who need to be brought. The lost who are lost, and that's why we call them that, who need to be found. Who need to be brought to the healing mercy, to the balm of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the point. That's the blessings of community. That's the blessing of following Jesus. Because they're bringing him to one able to heal. Able to work faith. And that's the beauty in verse 33. And when the demon had been cast out, we don't hear anything else. Here's just this prophetic reality. Here it's happened. We don't know how. Did he touch him? Did he speak to him? Did he... It doesn't matter. What matters is that the Lord is able to work faith among those who cannot ask it for themselves who would never even think to ask it or to find Christ in himself. Jesus has the authority to heal. Jesus has the authority to heal all maladies. It's in his power to do so. That's the encouragement to us here. There's no sorrow that Jesus cannot cure. There is no evil that cannot be overcome. There is no brokenness of any sort that cannot be changed or made new through the work and word of Jesus Christ. That power is real. That working through faith which he gives is real. 
and that is amplified in the text, how? Look again at verse 33, second half. The mute man spoke. Jesus has authority over the demons and over all the powers and principalities. Jesus has power to save to the uttermost. And to bring forth one from one not able to speak words of life. Words of Christ. It's the amplification of faith. The Messiah is here. That's what's being made known. And yet the point here is not just the faith now of those two blind men, but here it's not even the concern of the faith of the one who had been healed. But now it's about the audience. Because here is the struggle that we have sometimes in talking about faith Because when someone hears the wonders of God, and we use that language together, well, they were brought up in the church. They've heard the words Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Audience of faith. Of course they believe. They were a part of the audience of faith. But did you see their response? It doesn't say the crowd believed. It doesn't say the crowd worshipped. The crowd marveled. The crowd was amazed. It's not enough. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Israel is even claiming this as their miracle. This is for us. What are you talking about? All kinds of this stuff has happened from Genesis to this moment. And you still don't believe. I send prophet after prophet after prophet. I do the works before you. I bring people to myself. I have sent my son to you. Marvel. Bewildered. Amazed. Brothers and sisters, astonishment isn't enough. Testimony must be given to faith and more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to sit here and hear it. To be a part of the crowd. To be in the number. To show up. Yes, it is good to recognize a new thing. It is another to believe it. And what has now been shown to them and now spoken to them has to operate by faith. If there is to be any salvation for the people of Israel, faith has to operate. If there is to be any salvation in faith, United Reformed Church, faith has to operate. Not how well we do things or for how long we've done them or for who speaks the word to us. Faith must operate. And so are we living that faith. In recognizing how we've been changed, are we speaking that faith? In the ability he grants, are we amplifying faith by our words and deeds? Because has he not done just as much for us in delivering us from sin and the devil and the tyranny not only of the devil but of our flesh itself? 
Are we speaking faith with mouths to be opened in that word? Because faith is also required to open hearts and that briefly in the last place because as we see faith operate, that, that's where it has to end in. That's where it has to lead. But you're like, Pastor, you've run out of text. Because that's not what we read here in verse 34, is it? We'd love to. Of mass conversions among the audience of those who heard it. No. For as we see faith operate, as the word goes forth in boldness audibly and in the power of the Spirit, we, we also see others hardened in sin. That's the truth too. In the mixed multitude in which that word is proclaimed. We're going to see others hate Jesus. We're going to see those without faith operating in them whatsoever. And that's what's there. The Pharisee said he casts out demons by the prince of demons. They mock Jesus and what he's done. They slander Jesus by his words or what they've heard. They deny what they see. They deny what they hear. They deny what this means. And they attribute everything that Jesus has done to evil. still sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? You hateful, bigoted, calloused, self-righteous, pharisaical, puritanical people. That should not stop our mouths. That should not stop our confession. That should not stop our walk of obedience. Yes, it's calloused. Yes, it's ignorant. Yes, it's heartless. And yet, what do we lose sight of in this narrative? Us. Because again, it is so easy to totally jam pile on the Pharisees. Man, they're dumb. We wish they were mute. We wish their hearts didn't have a place in the narrative. We wish that they didn't have a space here so we could clear that out and we could get to the things of Jesus. Do we recognize that there are hearts that are lost in sin and condemnation? Of our neighbors, of our friends, of our family, of our coworkers? Who are just as broken as those Pharisees? Because we were just as broken as those Pharisees. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Praise be to God that he didn't leave us there. That he doesn't. Leave us there. But instead, according to the promise of Isaiah 42, Jesus is there, even suffering the maligning of men, the hatred of the Pharisees, 
living righteously for us, bringing healing and peace for what purpose? Isaiah 42, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From... From the prison, those who sit in darkness. Jesus has come to do all those three things in this narrative. I've opened the eyes of the blind. I've brought out one from the dungeon of demon possession. And I come before you who deny me. Who are in the prison of your sin and brokenness. To bring light to you. That we sang it together was blind, but now I see. Only because of the amazing grace of Jesus. We spoke nothing but curse, but now we speak of grace upon grace upon grace. Because faith is able to change even a heart like yours and mine. Faith opens hearts and lives to Jesus. And we can't make it. Man, I wish we could. But yet I am called to obedience. Not just to be amazed at the miracles of Jesus and the accounts of his steadfast mercy and compassion and love, but to embrace it by faith. Not to reject the truth spoken and lived as one remaining in stubborn denial, but in brokenness coming saying, Father, help my unbelief and give me faith to live. So that we, those whose hearts have been radically changed by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, can now go forth in love to serve him as one made open to him in his mercy and grace. So brothers and sisters, do you believe it? And if your confession is yes, Lord, this morning, show it in giving testimony of your faith in a life of gratitude. Show it. Show it forth. No matter what the world says about it or wants to do about it, show it. Show it in giving testimony to your faith in a life of obedience, of gratitude and obedience. For that is a life open to Jesus by faith. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the blessing of your word and the blessing of your work, the blessing of who Christ is and what he has done and worked by faith. And so we ask, Father, as we receive this word, that we would believe it. Not just a quick yes, but Father, a true and saving faith in one who saves us from all of our sins, but also is fully given to obedience to the Lord and King over all. Father, work by way of grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to bring that kind of conformity. Conform not to the shape and image of this world but transformed in the renewing of our hearts and minds by faith. 
And Father, then lead us from this place to a community of people, Father, whose hearts are broken and lost apart from you to speak and live the truth in grateful obedience and in thanksgiving for that which has been gifted to us in your Son by your Word and in your Spirit. And so, Father, may that faith operating today by way of your means of grace open hearts and lives to the full possession of your Son and Spirit. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time,